0: Hi, welcome to Scratching the Surface, I'm Jarrett Fuller and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. Throughout the month of June I'm doing this special mini-series where I'm interviewing a few of my own professors from the Maryland Institute College of Art where I just finished graduate school to talk to them about their own work and their thoughts on design and writing and criticism and how studying with them has influenced this podcast and my own thoughts around all of these subjects. Today's episode is the second episode in this series, and it is a really thoughtful conversation with Abraham Burikson. Abe can be sort of hard to define. He's an architect, but he's also a writer and a poet and a performance artist, and has been my writing professor for the last two years. In this conversation, Abe and I talked about his background and thinking about architecture as less about buildings and more about these containers for experiences and how that influences his work and all these other disciplines. We talk about his performance group, Odyssey Works, which is this really, really fascinating endeavor that creates these durational performances for a single person. And then we close the conversation talking about writing and structure and form and all of these things that, that we both love talking about. I've taken a few writing classes with Abe during my time in grad school and have honestly learned just so much from him about everything from art and the creative process to writing and editing and poetry. And I'm seriously a better writer because of him. And my thesis project is a better project because of his input and him pushing me to go deeper and further into my interests in design criticism. I am truly honored to have gotten to study with him and so thankful for his guidance and for this conversation. So I hope you'll enjoy this glimpse into the mind of another one of my favorite professors, Abe Berickson. I I was thinking about this this morning, about kind of how I wanted to structure this conversation. I wanted to frame it in you do a lot of different things. Um, You're an architect, uh, writer, teacher, poet, uh, performance artist. Is there
1: any? Did I miss anything? Uh, I'm I'm, I'm renovating my house. Renovating house? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so I kind of, I think that's
0: the most diverse set of uh, projects of anyone that I've talked to. And so I kind of wanted to start with kind of framing those a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and just very briefly a little bit of that kind of history of how all those things started or came together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, geez, it sounds like a mess, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't, yeah. like I just can't focus. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and I think the, and maybe, maybe we can come around to this, but I, I, I think the, the frame around it is, is a way of thinking that I'm trying to work with. Okay. Which, um, which perhaps finds its root best in architecture. Okay. Um, you might say that it's an, an architectural design approach to all those other things that you list okay right okay. and the reason that it comes from that is that um, when you're when you're designing a building or at least for me but I think for a lot of the architects whose work that I I love and respect and have' mm-hmm. inhabited in ways that have moved me um, you you know that you're not creating a thing right architects don't really design buildings Uh and in a certain sense yeah they're designing everything but the building itself right the building is a container for the life that is lived within the building um okay my father who was not an architect used to say the most important thing about the building is the emptiness right because if it's Mm. if it's not empty you can't enter into it right and um this was a provocative thing that i always thought about right you you, the building is there to catalyze certain types of experience right right, right. And, and and that that manifests in many ways right the building is it catalyzes the program right yeah. the the living the sleeping the the entertaining right the public and private program all this stuff is made possible by the form the form doesn't matter right uh, likewise <laughs> you think about it yeah. in terms of like energy uh, in terms of material usage right the building is uh, a moment in the mm-hmm. energy profile of the city for instance right you right. sort of drop it into the city and it doesn't live discreetly on the site it catalyzes a certain change in the city right right or yeah. in the country but and not, and that changes energy. That changes, you know, water, electric, whatever. And it's also patterns of movement. It's mm-hmm. also, you know, you put this building that we're in here down where it is, and it looks a certain way. Everybody's focused on that, but it also does things to the way traffic moves, to the way people walk, to the way people think, right. to the way people see the city. It's all right. about um, what the what the building does. Yeah, and. Um, and for me, that's a way of thinking about any art form. I don't see why architecture is discrete in that way, right? So, um, when I write, I'm thinking about what what the writing does. Right. right? When I um, when I write a poem, very interesting. All the terms of poem of poetry poetry means structure. Right. right? I was all thinking these, about that. Yeah. Right. So all these terms come from something else, right? And so yeah. you, you're building a structure, and it's a structure of experience. And what is what is poetry i mean we've got a lot of you know sort of romantic ways of thinking about it but in a certain sense it's um it, yeah. it's, it's 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 making art out of the grammar of language right right and that does something right and we know that because it's done things right, to us right right if not if it hasn't why the hell would we ever read poetry it doesn't make any yeah. sense but at a certain point it has done something yeah and so um and so, you know, so I've 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 sort of found my way through these all my life, just sort of wondering why it is that I'm thinking in this weird way about stuff that's always yeah. presented as a discrete thing, like a poem is something that has line breaks. And so right. it seemed to me that many things could be right. that. Um, and so this kind of coalesces in my larger project, which is Odyssey Works, mm-hmm. where I create ostensibly the form, the form.
0: Uh, right? yeah, yeah, is
1: these long-term right. experiences for one-person audiences, and they can be twenty-four hours long, thirty-six hours, a week, two weeks, three months, etc. Um, but what it is is an opportunity for me to work with artists across the disciplines in thinking this way, right? Right, and may, and, and it's sort of a design a design approach to performance. See, this is interesting to me because
0: whenever I think about questions that I'm going to ask people, I always kind of make up answers in my head or try to anticipate what I think they're going to say. And I did not think that architecture was the thread that was going to connect all of those things. Um, I was expecting it to be writing or language. Uh, And so I'm curious... I just kind of want to like put this into a bit of a into an order you studied architecture in in undergrad
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so were you thinking about architecture in that way when you were in school or, or kind of
1: where did that start to come together for you i i hadn't i well when i was a kid i wanted to be an architect but oh, right, oh I, okay i didn't right, know that and but i was always writing but um when I was in school, my freshman year, I uh, I left, I left college because, okay, you were talking about going off on tangents. Okay. can go you go it. off on a go tangent? for it. Yeah, can go I, for it. Can I tell you why? So I, I I went to the Church of Saint John the Divine. Okay. In New York, where they have yeah. these performances, fantastic place and. And I saw a performance of the Mevlevi dervishes, the whirling dervishes. Okay. And it blew my mind. And I said, I need to do that. I need to le- learn how to do that. There was something in the form that spoke to me. Yeah. Um, and I had a, a lot of questions about form in a lot of ways mm-hmm. at that time. And that's another conversation. So I left. School. This, this is
0: it freshman in? college yeah okay so you had you had this experience and then you, you and you then went. I
1: right so okay. I left school I went to New York made money any way I could which happened to be um, sort of faking my way through being a graphic designer okay know that. <laughs> yeah and um, there's lots of stories there. and know this. yeah and then um, and then I went to and then I I, I got in with the um, dervishes in New York and got a letter of introduction, showed up in Turkey at the Whirling Dervishes uh, Lodge and studied with them. Okay. And, um, and that was, I spent quite a while with the dervishes. Okay. Um, and, and while I was there, in a state of mind that is um, conducive right. to it, I did a lot of walking. I did a lot of walking mm. in the city, and Istanbul is an incredible city to Walk in, and I always would end up in these mosques, among them the Hagia Sophia, one of the most amazing okay. buildings in the world, um, and the Blue Mosque, and several other mosques, and the hamams. And um, I was in a particular state, having been w- having whirled with the dervishes and spending yeah. all my time with them, um, that was particularly receptive. But I, I, uh, I walked into random mosques every day, yeah. and hamams. And every time I did it, I felt myself completely transformed, right? It, um, it was shocking, actually. It was shocking that the form of the space could change who I knew myself to be. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, this is the power, this is design, right? Yeah, Like, this was designed. And it wasn't just, like, okay, squares do this to me, but a certain, uh, a certain narrative around what this was was part of it, right? Right. And I understood a little, and later in my studies, I understood much more. Right. There's it's about orientation. It's about creating this image of the world, this omago yeah. mundi, that places you just so, right? That puts you in this kind of perfect world, so that you understand what your ro- what your role is in the cosmos, right? Right. Relative to this way of seeing things, the the mosque did that to me. Right. And yeah. and I later traveled to um, I traveled to the to Jerusalem mm-hmm. um, and experienced some of the architecture there, especially the Dome of the Rock, uh, also the, the very very powerful moment that the Wailing Wall is. Um, and um, when I got home I knew I needed to become an architect, but right, I needed to right. become an architect because of this power that it <laughs> yeah. had. Uh, and and this power was—it's um, so obvious, right? Once you yeah. start seeing it, it's so obvious. And it took me um, a while longer to see that this power was in writing, mm-hmm. right? And this power is uh, is in live performance, yeah, right? Suddenly, every every time I went anywhere um, and was affected by anything, became it became clear that. I needed to dig into how the design was structuring my experience. Right, right. You know, and this was a very different. Way. You know, all my teachers were teaching me about the thing, the yeah, thing, the yeah. building, the thing, or or the poem. You know, the poem. It's a thing. It's a villanelle. It's a sonnet. It does this, and and it kept striking me that it, it's not the thing. Right, <laughs> the play is right. not the thing.
0: Like that's it's in service of this other experience that someone else or a group of people will have. In relation to that exactly thing. exactly interesting
1: and so all my work has been in service of of exploring that and trying to find ways to make yeah. um, okay to make the thing be understood and designed as the catalyst rather than the thing itself right which is what some of architecture is about right so yeah. architecture education and some architecture itself just clearly presents this, you know, you hear some, like, I recently read Peter Zumthor's Thinking Architecture. Okay. Such a perfect example of this. Yeah. You know, Um, yeah, so that's kind of how it all fits together for me. Yeah, I mean, that that
0: actually makes a lot, I don't want this to sound weird, but it makes a lot more sense than I was expecting it. (laughs) to <laughs> um, because you know to list out those things they sound you know architect poet you know teacher uh, performance artist sound like separate tracks um, so I'm curious do you and you, you, you kind of mentioned this a little bit but I kind of want to pull that apart a little bit more do you approach each of those Do you feel like you're coming to each of those things differently? Or I guess I, I, I'm, I I don't know exactly how to phrase this. I kind of want to talk about the process a little bit, but do you, do you kind of have these ideas and then think this is a performance, this is a poem, this is a diagram or, or a building, or is it kind of,
1: you know what comes first I guess is well to have that freedom to be that way yeah that's that's why I work with Odyssey works okay right cuz you know I guess with poetry you can always write a poem right it doesn't matter <laughs> right. nobody's reading them anyway right, <laughs> right. You know? um, but with with architecture you have a clients you have a set of mm-hmm. constraints mm-hmm. it's a little different so you don't get that freedom yeah. but um, but with Odyssey works it's carte blanche on that and so then in that context yes i do okay um in fact there's there are structures we work that i've been working with that um that help make that possible and that's actually been the large arc of the uh experiment that odyssey works is for me yeah there's a lot of other people involved in it right Right. and so for other people, it's there are various different openings for them, right. and it's in a way carte blanche for people to experiment in different ways. Um, but you know, I've been there. I've been working on it a long time. Yeah. And so there are certain structures that I've set up that allow for that. And there's that word. There's that word structures. Absolutely. Again, too. Absolutely, yeah. it's a structure because it allows that <laughs> right. to happen, right? right? What else is the structure, right? It supports. Yeah. It supports yeah. what you want to put on it. Right. Um, I just think of the of Bernard Schumi's follies, and uh, he he made this Parc de la Villette and it designed. Sorry. Okay. This Parc de la Villette in Paris. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been there? No, but I know I do know what you're talking about. Um, so good, <laughs> right? So you can get on your bike and bike around, right, right, right? And he's trying to think of the park differently in many ways, but one of the ways, one of the things that he did, when we talk about structure this way,
0: right. is
1: he created these follies. Uh, he didn't invent the term, it, it predates him, but um, there are these constructions, they're structures, mm-hmm. but they have no known, no preconceived purpose. The idea is that the structures are there to support whatever purpose you put right. on them. right? And, and so they built, built, you know, they put cafes into it. Some of them are just open. Some of them are, yeah. you know, somebody's offices are in one. Yeah. I don't actually know how they're, like, who decides. But I guess, you know, on the outside, you just get to think it just naturally, er, you know, emerges from a yeah. structure. And so that's the way I like to think right. of structure, right? It's a place of possibility in that way. So we created these structures we would get together I'd get together with a team right. and um, you know so we we have a participant we make a performance for one person right if that person is you i study you for 6 months or right. more depending on the budget <laughs> right that's that's very <laughs> right. essential yeah, yeah. that's an essential part of it yeah. um, and i study for 6 months and my whole team studies you we read every book you love we you hate, we talk okay. to your friends, your family, your enemies, your lovers, your illicit right. lover, um, we go to your workplace, we you know, check out your closet as right. much as we possibly can and then we gather all our research together and we spend some time in retreat hopefully as long as a week but sometimes it's only like four days okay but we try to be as immersed in your information as we as humanly possible, right? And we right. know it's really working when we start to dream about you. Okay. Right. Then you are symbolically embedded. Right. And that—that's when our subjectivities are inter-intermingled. And um, and then once we get to that point, we say, "What is the?" I'm going to say it again. <laughs> structure of right. experiences that we want to create, for, right. us, for 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 Jarrett. Yeah. And it's not specific yet sometimes it is but mostly it's not we create a diagram mm-hmm. which has a, an arc a, an arc of experience which which we say maybe you know we want him to go through deeply intellectual experience and then deeply physical experience and then an animalistic experience and then experience of being a new person that broad right okay right? okay and so we're working from your experience backwards. We have actually no idea yet what media right. will be involved. Right. Um, you know, that's that's a little bit of an idealistic way of yeah, saying it. Yeah. We try to have no idea yeah. yet. You know, still as soon as we come up with, oh, we want him to be animal, you know, we immediately know, you know, right. that we want to do X or Y, and that comes up, or, you know, oh, he's really into mapping. We need right. to do something with mapping, you know. But generally, we try to create this overall arc of experience. And then we think about, we try to actually step into your subjectivity to embody what it would be to move through those. And the beautiful thing is we can do whatever we want. We can start with a novel or a poem. We can hack Wikipedia. We We can make a fake New York Times review. We can put an actor into your life. Um, You know all these things in order to create for you the experience of going deep into your intellect. Mm -hmm. We could, you know, we could have your professor, you know, show up and talk to you about an idea, Mm -hmm. right? That's been troubling you, right? right? In a classroom, we could, we could, we could create a, a classroom and start a new class and have everybody in your class come because we want it to be real. Or, you know, it could be we could write you letters from a fictional character. Or there could be a piece of music which engages your intellect in just the right way. If we know you well enough, right. which we never do, we know you as well as we can. Right. We we have some direction we can go to yeah. try to find that. And so that's working from your experience back yeah. to the form. And the form goes everywhere. And so we have a limited set of skills, right? Right. You know, um, if like we wanted we needed a juggler, we just We'd have to go find one. Or, right. You know, we need, right. You know, we have a composer we work with, and we are always having to find new uh, musicians who can play what he's yeah. composing. Or, you know, we have most of our bases covered, but, yeah. you know, once in a while we go out on our mailing list for, like, we need a, mu- we need a magician who works with card tricks you know, or right. something like that. So
0: I have a couple... I want to kind of use this struct- structure of... You creating an odyssey for someone, this raises a lot of interesting things for me in thinking about the stuff that I've been thinking about for this podcast and this project and design in general. Um, And so I'm not exactly sure how I want to order these questions, so I'm going to kind of, you know, just ask you a series of questions, but, um, you know, in a sense... When someone goes through an Odyssey, what you're doing, and I apologize for using this word, but I, I haven't thought of a better one yet. But you're almost like hacking their life for a little bit and interrupting um you know the course of their existence, right? For three days or however long, you know, one of these would happen. Mm-hmm. Um how long? A couple anywhere days? from twenty-four hours to three months. Okay. And and so you know, you're kind of blurring reality and fiction in their life for a while. And this is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One, it actually sounds a lot closer to how you were talking about architecture at the beginning in that architecture interrupts or changes the environment around it and then also who encounters it and what happens inside it and what happens outside of it. And so I'm, I'm curious how you think about the, the things that you've learned from kind of setting up these odysseys and this idea of kind of interrupting or hacking reality, and I realize those are, are my words to describe it, but has that changed how you think about, at a small sense? buildings and architecture, but at a, at a bigger sense, this idea of kind of reality and changing reality.
1: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean? yeah. I the reality word is an yeah. interesting word, right? Yeah. Because what are we talking about? When we go at it from the experiential side, right? Right. Because it's all real.
0: Yeah, well, so let me, I don't mean to cut you off before mm-hmm. you even answer, but the, the thing I'm getting at is there's this kind of thing in design right now called design fiction. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea of kind of using the tools of graphic design to show alternate realities or possible futures or to kind of, you know, design things from the future, but put them into this world to show like, if we stay on this path, this is kind of what the world would become. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me, but I also have a problem with calling this design fiction because I feel like all design starts as fiction Mm -hmm. and that that the act of designing or the act of building or the act of making is some process of kind of turning fiction into reality a little bit absolutely um and so you're kind of doing that on this large scale where you're creating these fictions for this person but it's changing them in a way and in a sense i think you could say that building does that
1: absolutely you
0: know and and you uh, designing a building that's constructed and so I'm just curious how you think about
1: right. There's a weird there's like a weird parallel somewhere there where um, You know designing a building and putting it out into the world with some intention right is kind of a fiction you know and 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 the non-fiction would be a cave or something like that right, right? which right. just happens and you fall upon it right there's right. an intentionality uh, behind your experience and we um, we experience that or we conceive of that in most contexts as fictional right right like you go to sleep no more and you're not yeah. really wandering around somebody's graveyard or yeah. it's, it's fiction yeah. yeah you know but there's but but if we flip it around fiction is just an attitude towards the thing that you're in front of right fiction says okay. fiction when, when i encounter something as fiction i'm encountering it as as theoretically relevant there's a downside it's fiction okay. therefore it's not real therefore it's not pertinent to my life on the upside fiction is safe so i can look at it and comprehend the overall form the meaning the symbolism in a way that i can't if it's real right okay yeah 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 so um, so reality and unreality or reality in fiction being states of mind, um, we, we, we can work That's with them. Yeah. Right. And I think it happens in, in buildings too. Like there's an idea, there's a sense of going into a building and for instance, um, the, the, um, the Jewish museum in berlin oh yeah daniel liebeskins yeah, yeah. Um, feels like a fiction walk this walk down this hallway for a hundred meters and you will have walked down the I forget oh, what it's right. called like the right. hallway of memory and now right you know a memorial is a kind of fiction right You're standing in a memorial it's not architecture with purpose oh i see <laughs> it's an architecture with symbolic purpose and that reads as fiction right or when we go into um, a modernist building that reads as truth, and that was sort of the idea right. of a modernist aesthetic. It is true. Look, you see the f- structure, right. and right. that's it. Whereas if you go to the Portland building in Portland, Oregon, which has like a big fucking... I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, on, we're on... This is a radio. We're on radio. <laughs> yeah. or something, which has a big bow on it. Right. right? That looks right. like fiction. It's not a package. Right, right. right? But, but, but in fact... It simply is what it is there's a message coming across mm. there's an experience if you look at it from a phenomenological point of view right the fiction and the right. non the nonfiction these are simply um, these are simply ways of experiencing the thing that you're in so when I do these performances for instance right we yeah. think about when it's fiction when it's perceived as fiction and when it's nonfiction and sometimes we move between them because mm-hmm. it's simply a different effect so it changes your subject position. and right. the way you perceive things. Right. And it's like, and that's the thing about design too, right? Yeah. When, when you look at, when you see the design, it becomes a kind of a fiction to you. Yes. And when the yeah. design is invisible, it's nonfiction. Right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, I look at that, oh, somebody intended me to see it that way. Right. Manipulating me. It's right. a fiction. Or, oh, that's just the way it is. That's right. just Coke.
0: Right. Right. I mean, so, I, I, you know, this podcast is ostensibly about design criticism. Um, and everything that you're saying is actually, I feel, like, very relevant to that in thinking about something like branding, which is, you know, a very kind of big word. But, you know, if you think about it in the way that you're talking about encountering a building, branding or to brand a company is just creating a story that this company or entity is telling about itself, mm-hmm. and you can approach that as, you know, this company cares about me; they're friendly. But that was designed, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that is a fiction. And you know, maybe maybe it really does. You know, maybe it is a very friendly, helpful company, but the design around it is really just a, you know, the visual design, but also kind of, you know, the experience of going to a store or all of that is all just in service of telling that story that that company or that organization or whatever wants to tell about itself. Right. Um, and so when I think about criticism or how we talk about these things, those are the things that seem like
1: actually really important. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard, I mean, when you put it that way, it's hard yeah. not to get really cynical. About right,
0: it. yeah, and I realized, as I was saying that, I was like, oh, this is getting negative fast, but I, I mean, there is a positive side to it, but I know what you're Well, what's saying. the positive side? I'm I'm, I'm thinking about this in, in, the, in the sense that, I don't know, maybe this isn't positive, actually, now that I say it. I was going to say that everybody, like, we all do this anyway, you know, that isn't, branding is not this thing that companies do or these big kind of multinational organizations that and this comes back to performance also that all of us are kind of constantly enacting a type of branding or a type of performance of creating stories around ourselves as the way we want to be seen Mm -hmm. Um, and that you know that comes back to performance that comes back to storytelling that comes back to to design and then how we relate to the world I think has some of, can change that also. You go into a certain building that says you have to be a certain way and suddenly your story or your brand changes to relate to a structure or
1: an object Mm -hmm. or something.
0: That's or right. another group of people.
1: It transforms you. Yeah. Its story is more powerful than yours in a way. Yeah. You know, that thing that you said, that we're always creating these stories, makes it sound like we're, can I say this, all bullshitting each other all <laughs> yeah. the time. Yeah. Right? And and we are. We're, I mean, you know that when you get but, to know somebody, it wasn't that person they presented themselves as in the first place. And yet, and yet, you can look at it this other ways as... Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I was, I was with all these people who were being so charming, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. And they, they were so charming, and I, and I, you know, part of me had that cynical moment, right? Right. Like, ah, but yeah, you know, they're just acting. You know, yeah. they're just putting yeah. on a show. Yeah. And I, then it occurred to me what how enjoyable that show was, and how much work these people are doing for my benefit right right they're creating a character of themselves making it easier for me to relate to them right engaging telling stories joking being funny in these linguistically very complex ways yeah that are fascinating of themselves like a free performance every <laughs> single day right right all this work you know whereas if we don't have that, if we don't have the stories we tell about it ourselves and each other, if we are not creating the experience for the, of of the yeah. other in front of us, right, um, it, it becomes very hard to get around. We don't know what to do. It becomes a big blank, yeah, of practicalities, you know. And 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 to me, that was the flip side. And you can extend that to design as a right, generous right, act, right? Right. You know.
0: I mean, I guess yeah. I guess we could say and before we started recording, we were talking about Jessica's book about, you know, the invention of desire. And I feel like one of the major themes of that is this idea of kind of design being an inherently empathetic discipline. And it's about, you know, especially when when the designer is working in service of someone else, it's about kind of exactly like uh, what you do in Odyssey works to the extreme of, embodying this person to find out who they are and what intellectually stimulates them and then creating something for them that that you know in a weird kind of way is what designers do also
1: right right I mean they' no matter what you're designing right you' you're, you're designing experience yeah right because you know at the long, at the yeah. distant end it's being experienced yeah. Yeah so that's um, and you know we had to brand odyssey works right right which was fascinating and troubling in, in so many ways you know and i think in the end we we went for something that was sort of tongue in cheek corporate Right. interesting yeah um, because we wanted to you know which was also the name Odyssey works was kind of tongue-in-cheek right. corporate as well right right you know, yeah we're the, we're, the, we're the laborers of Odyssey's we, you know we're a company yeah and, you know we started to have a lot of fun with it um, and it, it was it was a challenge we we're like how, how do we want to engage people it forced us to think about it in really interesting yeah. ways. how do we engage people in a way where we are saying basically we we need to have a face to you, mm-hmm. but we are uncertain about what it is, um, and right. and we want to use humor in a way that's respectful. Right, right. So it's, oh, it's so interesting. And so we you know we worked with a designer, and it was a challenge. we yeah. went through all these different iterations. And we ended up, yeah. you know, the mo- to to me the the most important part of our branding was when we were giving people titles, you know, right, like vice president of marketing and and you know, um, fields, uh, what was it, field research. And, so you and, gave very kind of serious sound, very and corporate. S- way yeah. too serious. Like, That's and so that it was fun. obvious that, yeah. you know, we were basically in the weeds because yeah. we were trying to say like, form is uncertain for us. Right. You know, And right. we're going to have some fun with it, but we're also going to try to be serious. Did, does, does, did that process
0: and the process of kind of studying a, um,
1: what do you call, what do you call call the viewer? We call them participants.
0: The the participant is the one who the performance is kind of happening to. Yeah. Does, what have you learned from kind of learning how to, you know, research and embody someone else to kind of find what makes them tick to create this experience? Have you taken anything from from that process into when you're designing a home for a client? Like, do you? St- well, I guess first of all, do you still do kind of traditional architecture, and then, and then, the,
1: yeah, do, does that kind of process has that leaked in? Um, absolutely, yeah. I do still. I don't do a lot. I do residential designs, like one project at a time. Okay. Because there's a lot of things on my plate, yeah. <laughs> and so, <it'd> be hard. <laughs> so we've covered that, yeah. Yeah, it'd be hard to focus on on too many, but it also yeah. lets me lets me focus a lot more. Um, <clears throat> well, it's you know, it, like I said, this sort of emerged from architecture, but um, it has well, it, it's changed a few things. Okay. One thing is that in in doing these interviews and this research into people, probably the most profound uh, change in my way of seeing people that's happened is around personality and mm. sort of deeper desires. I don't want to go all the way to saying personality and you know their essence or something but right right uh, their, the, the deeper motivations. Um, what I've seen is that uh, over the years I've come to care less and less and less, about people's personalities, huh. uh, less and less about people's um, politics. Right. Uh, or even opinions. Right. They seem, they're so on the surface. Yeah. there's so much a part of that performance, that branding. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, you know, but still, I enjoy them. When I'm with people, I'm, I'm entertained, and I'm challenged, and I'm, um, I'm right. stimulated mm-hmm. by them but what I really seem to care about, because in Odyssey Works, those initial things don't much matter. They mostly matter as things to kind of placate and get around, Mm -hmm. you know, you gotta get the right politics or you gotta get the right opinion or, you know, somebody can't stand the subway, you don't let them in the subway and somebody thinks blue is a weird color, you don't use blue and somebody is awed by the, yeah. By, you know this particular type of sound you use that those preferences are like gateways yeah to the person um, so uh, that's changed my way of being with people and seeing people and so um, I've come to see in at first when I when I first was doing architecture I was I, kept, I would get things wrong I mean everybody gets things wrong but what do you mean What do you mean? Like you got? I mean, I would design things things for clients that I thought were what they wanted, Uh and um, that was often because it's what they said they wanted. Right. And I and after doing this a bunch and sort of seeing some good and some bad results, I realized that I just need to spend more time with my clients. Right and get to a, a, a more sincere place, and not just approach my investigation of what they wanted verbally, because people mm. don't actually, because people don't actually say what they want necessarily, because in a certain way, that's still part of this uh, right. this, this superficial or artificial thing. And so I would spend time in the home Eat, walk around the property you know, if I can yeah um, and then start to understand you know, what how they're physically inhabiting and mm-hmm. how they're emotionally inhabiting their space like I'm designing a farmhouse right now I mean, okay. I've designed it; it's under construction um, and it's upstate New York it's on a biodynamic farm and, okay. you know, a lot of our conversation was about how big of a kitchen do you want and yeah, um, and the usual stuff. We need a bathroom that works for a family this big. And, right. You know, it's gonna, we're going to have four kids. We're almost up to three and all those practical things. But um, when I spent time with them, I noticed the care mm. with which they handled food. I mean, it's sort of a no-brainer, biodynamic, bio-dynamic yeah, yeah, farm, yeah. they <laughs> care about food. Right. But um, and also the ubiquity of of food, like they had um, they had all these um, mason jars of canned goods. Okay. Which is always hard to get my head around the mason jar being canned. But I got oh, it. Oh, right. oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. right over my head. Right. So preserved vegetables, yeah. which were beautiful, and like they were always at the center of the table. They would yeah. come out and they would end up on the center of the table. Why? Because they they loved them and right. they knew they were beautiful, and I, I thought they were beautiful too. Right, right. And um, and I also noticed that uh, their kids were always mm. running around in circles, and mm-hmm. they enjoyed that. You know, some people, when their kids run around in circles, drives them right. nuts. Yeah, right. But this couple, they watched their kids run around in circles, and, and this was yeah. a healthy thing to yeah. them. Yeah. And so when I was designing it, you know, I I made sure that we got all the things that they needed. Um, But, uh, but I made a suggestion in all of my different schemes that the main thing you see when you come into the house be first the food, canned food, Mm -hmm. preserved vegetables and and fruits, um, which would be right opposite the front entrance on shelves and um the children running in circles Hmm. right because there was the question was what is the heart of this home going to be right and so we had these this opposite the front door these shelves full of these jars and then above um a a walkway a Uh, circular walkway um surround circling the the atrium yeah and then the kids could just run around it and it was actually um it was actually a, a half circle or a U, originally and oh. the clients you know they they were like oh okay um, this is what the house is gonna be about why did you not complete the circle right and of course they were right so I completed the circle and so that that became um, that's interesting the moment yeah. that the house really turned into a home in right design process right
0: I've I've just a couple questions just to kind of wrap everything up, and one of them is directly related to to kind of what you were just talking about. You've used the word form a lot and talked about this idea of form. And something that I'm really interested in is form as kind of being this container for ideas or larger themes more than just you know, in, in graphic design terms, more than just, you know, a red square or a particular typeface, but that all of these things can contain these kind of bigger things. And so I was I just wanted to know kind of how you think about taking these ideas, you know, taking kids running around the house, or taking the way a family cares about food and turning that into form or bringing it back into this idea of an object um, and kind of going back to when you're talking about studying this and learning it as creating this object and you kind of wanting to focus on these other things how do you then turn it back into
1: the object or how do you think about that yeah i mean that's the great challenge right, right? Yeah. i mean that's yeah. that's the whole job yeah i think and um, because if you if you've only got form, you don't relate it to experience and you it right. feti- and become some kind of fetishized design object. And if you only have experience, you float off into this into the stratosphere and nobody ever hears from you again. Right. Really, which was the danger which could have happened if I'd stayed with the dervishes. <laughs> right. 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 Um, so that's it. And yeah. that's at the core. To me, that's the challenge, right? You want to create an experience and you have to do this empathetic reverse engineering yeah right how can I do that and what is it you know what are the and and that's when each medium has its own demand its own process right Mm -hmm. so in Mm -hmm. architecture Mm -hmm. you know if you're gonna I'm waiting for the tools by the way to be good enough to I'm waiting for virtual reality (laughs) to take over Revit right so I could be designing in Revit in VR I would be a much better designer because right now what i have to do yeah. is i have to like i have i sort of have to imagine the whole thing and walk into it and try and embody that experience and then i have to see what i can do to embody that experience from the subjectivity of my client Oh
0: uh, right? yeah.
1: um and when i'm doing the uh Odyssey because it's not just you know a
0: building that is not just blueprints you know you're not just thinking about a floor plan at that point
1: right Right. I mean, uh, yeah, this I didn't is, even make that connection. Yeah. Right. You th- you're thinking about the final building. This is why. Um, this is why design technologies are so important in architecture, at least, but in every everywhere, right? Because the, the 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 tools limit or control or enhance your capacity to empathetically move into the space. Right. Right. So, um, 3D design tools are, in many ways, better. Um, right. But in some ways, right. worse, right? Because, um, because they fill it out for you, right? And this comes back to language, yeah. right? Yeah. There are these languages where, that people invented when they were inventing languages that there's a language called, oh, I can't remember, I think it's called Volapuk. Volapuk, it's almost yeah. impossible to speak because everything is exactly laid out. Right? Everything okay. is totally clear. You know how some languages have cases that English doesn't have? Oh, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, for instance, you know when I'm saying you. Yeah. I mean, just you. Or if I'm saying you, I mean everybody in the right. room. Right. Right. But some languages have that figured out. Well, volapük did that with every aspect of language. And it was unusable. Yeah. Because right? nobody could figure it out. Whereas this, this kind of nuance that we have as humans to work the tools is... Works better in kind of natural <laughs> languages. To me, um, in many ways, AutoCAD is uh, a better tool because it defines less. Like three D building right. huh. information um, tools, like like Revit, give you too much definition. It's sort of like going from the book to the movie. Okay. Right. And so, as a design right, process, right. I'd rather go with two D uh, or or of course sketching. Um, and, and then go into Revit or a uh, three D modeling software, so I can show it to my client because yeah, that helps yeah. them. But um, but this is you know this is the this is the process. This is what the tools do, and you know our job is, as designers is to be able to sort of a figure out which tools are best for us because we're all a little different, right? And B, be able to master those tools so that we can get into that empathetic design mode. Um, right that that supersedes the tools, um, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. then some. So then some media are not usable for some people, right? Right. I mean, I can't yeah. make music. Yeah. But I know the effect it has. Right. 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 I can ask other people to do it. Yeah. Who I know can. And that's that's where we find our place as designers, I think. Yeah, I want to just bring writing
0: back into this, just to kind of start to to kind of close it together, because I feel like that that's a big part of what you do, and we didn't talk about it that much. And you have been my writing teacher for a year now, or or whatever mm-hmm. it's been, two years. Um, and so, this question has two parts to it. I'm curious one's kind of a, a personal question and then a, a larger question. I'm curious how being a writer influences these other projects and the skills and the tools of writing influence creating a performance or a building, and then also vice versa for you, how, how you found that those have changed you or how does being a writer made you a different type of architect if you didn't have have that set of skills? And then the second part is, kind of just larger kind of general thoughts on, uh, you know, you've been teaching writing f- to designers. How, how does writing help the designer or how have you seen those kind of two
1: fields help each other? Yeah, yeah. Um, I love these questions. Um, so each tool, even though, even though I think all tools should be uh, applied as experienced design tools. Architecture, right. writing, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, graphic design, whatever. They all have different capacities. And writing, and by extension language, rather, language and by extension writing, uh, is the number one best way to convey longer, more complex ideas and narrative. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. That's like, yeah. Bottom line, I will I will go to the mat with anyone who right. thinks they have another way. I mean, you might say film or something like that. To me, those are that's right. Just yeah, it's still yeah yeah right because um, it's 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 involving language. So um, so most things will start there, right? But it's not necessarily uh, the best. It's not. Always the only or the best way to encapsulate a single idea right so uh-huh. you can have an experience um, in a piece of architecture that you can't have in writing and so they're complementary in certain ways and they should be they're doing different things right and so um, when I um, when I create a performance in odyssey works I sit down and I think what does what Right. And when do we need a longer, more comprehensible idea? When do we need a shorter one? Okay. so from the other side, coming Mm -hmm. back. um, Oh, and of course, there is narrative that is. Right. Yeah. Relentless It is relentless everywhere we go. It's in the building. It's in that plant behind you. It's in your chair. It's in. The, you know the way you dress right right there right. is so much narrative right. and we can hide from it uh, or we can embrace it yeah and um, writing helps us to comprehend the narrative in things right and whether or not we use uh, text uh, in combination with these other design forms uh, it's still the best way to understand them I think if you go through a long design process with no writing, something is wrong, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's it's the basic format for thought, and by the way, it is uh, the best way to think, right? Because we can't think in very long sentences. Yeah, we get into loops, right? Writing is this miraculous tool that makes us brilliant when before we were just yeah. you know able to get out of the cave, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, writing and by extension, language. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. I think a great, there are big problems with the way we understand writing culturally. And, um, and uh, they are helped, ameliorated by a design approach, right? Mm. And the big problem, the simplest way to put the big problem, is that um, is that we think from is that we write from the first word, we write from once upon a time to oh. a happily ever yeah. after the end, yeah. right? And it's this it's this direct line through what is essentially a composition, right? Right? And that's that causes a lot of problems in um, in sort of structure, and there's no reason we can't think about writing as a design process mm-hmm. and consider. Right. And yeah. Consider the overall structure, um, and then once you do that, you can. It's much easier to think about writing as experience design, right? And yeah, when you're there, suddenly you're not sitting there saying, "Oh, I have to write this way because that's the kind of writing you do for this." Magazine, or that's the kind of writing you do for a book, or that sounds stupid, so I can't write that way, or everything has to be in the present tense because that's mm-hmm. how you do it. Right. You start to think about, oh, right. what is the effect of each mode of writing? What is the effect of text writing? Uh-huh. You are cool, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, versus um, mm-hmm. Moby Dick, right, versus you know the dryness of an academic paper. Why is an academic paper dry? What is the effect of that dryness? Is it just to scare you off? Is that scaring off a kind of muscle pumping to make you feel like what mm-hmm. what's being presented is yeah. true? Right. These are these are ways of thinking about it that come from design. Yeah. Right. That come from. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way before. Right? I mean, you yeah. step into a building. Yeah. You're not thinking a writing thought would be. You know well, first you've got to put down the you know, footings and right. the wall. Right. You know, but a design thought is you step into the building and you feel great because of the ex- expansive light and the patterning on the curtain wall, which was so intelligently yeah. put yeah. together. And then you want to walk into the, you know, the cathedral, right. or vestry or whatever. Right? Um, and so these have a lot to say to each other in terms of ways of thinking and then there's the combination because writing yeah. is a like physically writing is a design process yeah yeah you know, which i think graphic designers more than anybody understand yeah like most writers aren't thinking of that it's so interesting yeah too. once you start thinking that way yeah and better more than reading actually listening to people talk because they code switch constantly Mm. constantly code switch to match their audience or for effect they use present and past tense in storytelling in ways that seem to make no sense but actually make incredible sense for emphasis it's incredibly intelligent people are brilliant brilliant almost everybody is brilliant with this stuff and they're designing as they go for effect yeah, you know, and what's the one problem with with writing education is it's not thought of that way. So right. as soon as people get to the page, they're like, "Ah, oh, I'm doing it wrong." Yeah, and they've been right. doing it right all along, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know, five paragraph uh, essay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know subject, and you know, their grammar things that they were doing so well when they spoke that once they go to the page, they screw up. Yeah, you know, because we're thinking about writing as an object, not as uh, a container for the experience that comes from reading it.
0: That's great. I love that. I actually think that that's a perfect way to kind of wrap this up. Um, thank you so much for this conversation. And then also just for the last you know, year or whatever it is, I feel like your influence on this project is kind of woven throughout. And so I'm glad that we were able to I feel like I learned so much just from your classes and then also from this conversation, so I'm glad we finally got to do that, so thank you.
1: Well, it's my pleasure. This was great. This episode was
0: recorded on April 20th, 2017 in Baltimore, Maryland. Our theme music is by Andy Borgesani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.